Yes, later this month, a judge in California will decide if a David versus Goliath tech case involving a small but once promising Australian venture versus Google can proceed. Unlocked is the company, was founded by former Australian professional cricketer turned tech entrepreneur Matt Berryman. The company's app was available on Google's Android products and it was attracting interest and investment when Google suddenly issued a notice that the product violated its terms and it banned it. Now, that happened in 2018, when Unlocked, while Unlocked was preparing to go public, it had a valuation of $200 million, but without access to Google's App Store and mobile advertising network, investors got spooked and the company went into liquidation. With Berryman's day in court soon to arrive, unless it's pushed back once again, because it has been before, we decided to examine this rather singular court case to throw some light on the bigger question of digital competition or lack thereof, very much an issue of our times. Paul Smith's joining us now. He's technology editor at the Australian Financial Review and he's been following the case. Welcome, Paul. Could you please explain what Google was used for um, uh, and make it clear cut for us so that we can understand it and how Unlocked used Google services? Well, yes, yeah, sure. Google was essential to Unlocked's business model. One of the things that Unlocked did very well was innovate in the area of mobile advertising. Google clearly owns a huge part of the mobile advertising world, but Unlocked figured out a way that it could be the first thing that you see on your phone. The name Unlocked came from the fact that they provided advertising or video content on the unlock screen of your mobile phone. So a customer would agree with their telecommunications company that they would view ads on their phone in exchange for having money off their bills. And they also did deals with other companies. They were working with flybys to do a rewards program. And Google initially supported the company and, and encouraged them to proceed. But then from Unlock's perspective, obviously decided that they wanted the share of that, that market for themselves and sought ways to, to get rid of them. Okay, so if I, because I've got an Android, to take part in this, theoretically, I would have had to un- download that app of Unlocked's. And then every time I turned on my phone, if I'm hearing you correctly, mm-hmm. I would receive ads via that Unlocked app. Is that right? That's that, that's pretty much it, yeah. I think there was a certain number of times it would happen. It wouldn't necessarily be every time you open your phone. But that's essentially the idea, yes. You would view ads in exchange for rewards or money off your bill. Unlocked relied on Google not only for the fact that it was on Android phones, but the inventory of ads that they would serve up to you came from Google's oh, own. It was called AdMob. So the, the ads were generated by Google and then displayed through Unlocked, and the app was distributed largely through the Google Play Android store. And then Google decided that suddenly the app was against its terms of services, banned it from both, and therefore both its revenue and its means of distribution had disappeared. And all of the investors that were, as you mentioned earlier, about to back it in its initial public offering and had backed it already to the tune of $60 million dollars realised that there wasn't really a viable business model anymore without Google. It's an incredibly symbiotic relationship, isn't it? What, what were mm. Google's reasons for suddenly abandoning the app or saying it didn't fit their specifications, I suppose? 
Well, this goes to the very nature of the dispute. I've spoken with the founder of Unlocked a, a number of times throughout the years about initially the rise of the company and then its sudden collapse. And he's always maintained that Google were initially very supportive, encouraged um, Unlocked to take part in internal programs to go on their more exclusive ad exchange, um, having seen them. And then one day got in touch and said they were concerned about both the quality of experience that they were giving to their users, that users were being signed up to ads and that the ads weren't opt-in and that was against Google's terms of services. And that was when they got their first ban, uh, which they appealed. And according to submissions that were made into the initial case, Unlocked had meetings to to try and sort this out with people working for Google. And the atmosphere in those meetings was always, oh, this seems to be a little bit of a mistake. We'll get this sorted out. Involved local executives from Google Australia who now work as CEOs of of other listed companies in Australia with the promise that, well, we'll get this all sorted out. And of course, it never did get sorted out. And the the company um, just got worn into the ground. And then became a, a case of, well, does the founder lick his wounds, walk away and accept that he's just been crushed by a big company or does he t- try and get his day in court and and see if he can get on this sort of global bandwagon, mm. so to speak, where the power of big tech is being tested and being questioned in, in numerous arenas, including by the ACCC in Australia and by Congress in the US. I mean, it's so interesting because that company, the little company, had successfully raised $68 million in funds mm. from high-profile investors, including, say, Lachlan Murdoch and others. Yeah. And at the time, it was in the midst of launching an IPO, an initial public offering, with an expected valuation of $200 million. Now, presumably, the ad put an end to all of that. Did it? It did, yeah. It, 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 the IPO was dead in the water as soon as this happened. Uh, I think they tried to, tried to keep it going for a little while, but it essentially killed it. Deals that they were were doing with overseas telcos and overseas companies, they had lots of promising leads, I believe, in the Middle East. They'd done um, deals with, I think it was uh, a music MTV maybe in the UK as well. But as soon as Google sort of flagged them as a, a company that they weren't working with, all these deals started to fall over. The company wasn't viable anymore and they basically had to go into receivership and try and get as money back to, for investors as they possibly could. And give us the sequel because hasn't Google now developed something not dissimilar? I'm choosing my words well, carefully. This, <laughs> this is something that will obviously become in the case. The case you mentioned at the start, the, the next thing that happens is in October the 27th where the judge decides whether Google can dismiss the case entirely. If that doesn't happen, then it will go to court. And what Unlocked and Matt Berriman is hoping then is that that opens up a whole period of discovery where documents from internal documents at Google showing their communications, talking about Unlocked, will then come to light because obviously he will believe that there's lots of documents where the very upper echelons of Google would have talked about well, what are we going to do about this company? What are we going to do about it? Because they've, they've already tendered some document from back in 2013 when Sundar Pichai, the CEO of Google, or Alphabet as it's known, was talking in internal discussions about the value of the lock screen of the phone. And so, yeah, that they will say that Google has, has long known the value of this. And this the, the other company that you mentioned before is they have invested a significant amount of money and become one of three main shareholders in a company that started after Unlocked went bust called Glance, 
um, which is now valued at $2 billion. And not 100% the same, but does very similar things. And this Californian court case is about compensation, isn't it? Asking Google for compensation for um, monies lost. Is that right? That's right. He, he's looking to get, get his money back because, I mean, he, he can look at that and think, well, if Glance is now worth $2 billion, we were worth $200 million back in 2018 and we were a few years ahead of where Glance were. And yeah, that may or may not convince a judge, but he's looking at getting significant money back if he can prove his case or he's hoping to, because to, he's still got investors that he owes money to. And quite frankly, he probably wants his some money that he thought he was going to make from that himself. So yeah, mm. I think this, the case would be about um, about money, but I guess you never know. Once something goes to trial and something goes to uh, discovery, maybe he'd be hoping Google get on the phone with a settlement. Who knows with those, this kind of thing? But it would certainly, from a, an industry observer like myself, be very interesting to see this go to trial as a test case for how do you police the, the power Which of is probably why companies. Google won't let it happen. Yeah. Well, that could, could be the case as well, because it certainly would be very interesting to sort of have this discussion legally. Google obviously owns those networks, unlocked piggybacking off them, but they have become critical infrastructure to the advertising sector um, and all the other industries that, that feed off them. And they basically have demonstrated in this case that if they did take a sudden dislike to you, they can kill a company like that. Around the time when the app was banned, Berryman mm. was highly critical of the ACCC, our ACCC's lack of action on the case, because an investigation had started in 2020, but it was eventually discontinued. Now, in this, in other similar cases, would you agree the ACCC appears to be taking a sort of wait and see approach, uh, letting often tech firms like this pursue their own claims, often in the US? Do you characterise it like that? And if so, do you think it might change anytime soon or not? Well, I think it's a it's a two-sided thing, really. I think the ACCC initially were very interested in pursuing it. I remember speaking to Rod Sims at the time, and he was very interested in the thing. But I think maybe he would then look at it and think, well, if the US is going to take this on, let them do it. Because if you remember, he had plenty of other things on his plate as well with the media bargaining code and mm. all those other things that were sort of addressing the power of marketplaces. And also, I think he probably did then... Or the ACCC maybe did let unlock slide too far. And I'm, I'm, I don't think Matt Berman is particularly happy with how the ACCC eventually held it. But in all likelihood, if it had been the ACCC pursuing it, the damages would possibly be a lot less than would have occurred over in the US because they'd have been looking for penalties that are then, you know, fines go to governments as opposed to the individuals involved. And I think it probably works out better. It would have been nice from Australians' point of view, to, to watch the ACCC pursue this. But I think from Unlock's perspective, they've got a maybe a potentially more favourable outcome by happening in the US rather than in Australia. Look, a final thing, and this is the sort of the personal toll of all of this, one way or the other, because, mm. and I know this has been out in the public arena, that not long after the app was banned, he stepped down from management mm. due to mental health concerns. And he has really he had a bipolar diagnosis and he's become very, very interested in mental health issues. He's chair of Mental Health Australia from last year. And he's poured all his efforts into into that now. And he's just completely out of this, of this vicinity. I mean, do you see this sort of thing happening? I mean, this, uh, this startup arena is, is pretty tough. We need it, but it's it tough, is isn't tough. it? It is tough. 
it is tough and you do have to be a certain type of person to sort of suffer the slings and arrows and say uh, Matt has actually sort of stepped back into the arena a little bit not through founding a company as well as well as the mental health Australia work he recently founded a new tech venture capital fund as well he's working with a few people to invest in startups and I think he believes that he can use his experiences that he's had in building a company that grew very quick and very large quite suddenly and and take that experience and work with startups rather than run the companies himself. Um, so he is kind of still in the, the arena, but has also obviously been uh, very active in, in mental health work, which I, I have spoken to him about on a number of, of occasions is very important to him as well. How impressive. Okay, thank you very much indeed for making that all clear. You're very welcome. Paul Smith, uh, Technology Editor for the Fin Review. ABCRN helps you understand the world. Find more of our stories on the ABC Listen app.